create a bunch of content. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. I think Steve Jobs said that. So you have to create all this content, send all these emails, and then you can look back and see which ones had the highest open rates, which one had the highest click rates. Why? What did we talk about? Was the subject line a question? Did I have a compelling offer? Who's clicking on these emails, right? And, and what are they? What Are they a real estate agent? Are they some random entrepreneur who found my podcast on entrepreneurship? And you can start to kind of test and tweak the messaging. And it's just an experiment and you get a little bit better every single time you put an email out or a piece of content. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this episode of the CareCast podcast. I'm your host, Brady Winder. This is the podcast where we help agents and investors dial in their online marketing so they can build businesses of freedom and impact. This episode is going to be a lot of fun because I have our friend Chris Bello with us on the podcast today. Hey, Chris. Uh, we met at Carrot Camp a couple of years ago at our uh, biannual mastermind. And uh, he's taken a really unique approach to real estate. He's an agent who also does some investing, so you might call him a hybrid. But he's gotten massive amounts of time freedom back. And uh, he's refers to himself as a virtual realtor. And so what I like about Chris is that you can apply these concepts as an investor or agent. And he's just someone who's wildly diligent about productivity and automation. And so we're going to have a good conversation today about how you can get some of that time back. And uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks, Brady. It's awesome to be here. And you know, like we connected over at May 2021's Carrot Camp. I think I had shared with people there that I was doing things differently. I had just moved to Denver, Colorado from Texas with my fiance. And so my business has been working remotely. And so I haven't really had to get into the Colorado market too much. And that's kind of where we're at these days. I'm doing things some virtually all from this home office right here through systems, automation, and delegation. I love it, man. So we don't do clickbait titles. And in the title of this, yeah, 110,000 uh, in a year and at about 20 hours a week. Give people some context for uh, what was that like and where are you headed this year? Yeah. So I always like to start off and give credit where credit is due. Books are very influential. And two books that really heavily influenced the way that I set up my business were A, the four-hour work week, and B, the E-Myth Revisited. I didn't want to be the business owner or the person who created a job for myself. I wanted it to operate like a business and have systems and processes in place. And so I will give credit to those two books for really heavily influencing how I created my current business and setup. But the main thing that I tell people is that you need to have some sort of scheduling tool for people to schedule time on your calendar, because otherwise you're being very reactive. I see answering every single phone call as being very reactive. Like if we're talking right now and I get three phone calls, I'm not going to tell you to pause this and take those calls, right? I'm going to come back to them. Thank we, you. We hear about time blocking often, right? I think real estate agents are good at time blocking. I'm, I'm sure investors are as well. But calendar scheduling links such as Calendly enable the optimal time blocking experience because everything is an appointment on your calendar. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so you you did the 110k last year. What are you? What's this year looking like? And are you still are you still doing? I think the reason I'm asking is because sometimes 20 hours a week is hard to believe. It's an even round number. It's like, is he really doing that, or is he pulling 40? Yeah. Hours well? Yeah. So I know I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit, just like Trevor Mock talks about. You know, when he was shifting over to Carrot, 
he talks about how he knew he had to slow down on other things to focus on where he wanted to go. And so this has been kind of like a getting clarity season for me on what's the bigger vision? What's the big picture? Do I want to do Houston real estate remotely from Denver forever? Do I want to get into the Colorado market and forget about Houston? Like those are kind of some of the questions that I've been asking myself because bigger commissions here with the higher price points, right? So I keep finding myself taking deals in Houston where I'm like, man, I'm making like three grand on this deal. If I just shift my focuses here, I could literally make four or five times the amount of money, right? So Mm -hmm. I will kind of preface that by just saying, you know, I am pacing for a little bit of a slower year this year. Uh, I want to blame the market, but not being a victim, you know, I'm taking (laughs) ownership and I know that I've been slowing down in order to speed things up and just working to get more clarity. So I have shifted my model a lot this year to referring a ton of deals out. I think I have like forty or fifty thousand dollars of potential referral fees mm. from all the things that I've sent out. The only That's downside amazing. is, as I check in with other agents, hey, how's that da- that buyer doing? Oh, they decided to renew their lease. Okay, that buyer decided not to buy because of them. So it's a lot of it is like buyers are afraid to make that decision right now, and it makes mm-hmm. sense with the way that the market and the economy is. So I have a lot of irons in the fire and potential referral commissions that should be dripping out over the next year or so. But it's just sometimes frustrating because you you put all these different seeds out and you're not sure when they're going to sprout. Let's talk about that real quick about um, you know planting those seeds and yeah, I want to know how you market yourself as a a virtual realtor and as someone mm-hmm. who helps anyone in any state. Um, and then we'll dive a little bit into how does this tactically work as far as who's working for you, et cetera. Yeah, so I do have the podcast. I get a lot of traffic. I'm about to pass, you know, two million overall downloads on entrepreneurship and mindset marketing, just things that I've selfishly liked to learn for myself and bring amazing guests onto the show. Trevor's been on the show as well, for example. And so I've been trying to figure out how to utilize that to get referrals from people in the audience saying, Hey, you know, I can help you buy or sell real estate anywhere. If you need help schedule a time to chat or reply, you know, to this email, things like that, various calls to action to try and monetize some of those referrals through people who find me online. And it's been interesting. You know, I've had a person I used to work with, had a house in Mexico he needed to sell, for example, Hmm. another listener or follower had an apartment in Dubai, the UAE. And so I, you know, I got to find people who I can refer those deals out to. That's been a big way of lead generating. It's just through my own personal content and network. You Mm. may have heard this referred to as attraction marketing, where you create content, you have calls to action, you put little different hooks out there, and sometimes you get some bites. That's been my main focus over the past few years. Mm. And that's where a lot of these referrals are coming from uh, between things like the podcast and your personal network. Yeah. And just planting seeds. I mean, I, I we hear that all the time and it's frustrating because we are in that Amazon order, you know, two-day shipping. So having to plant seeds and wait for months or years can be very difficult for us to do these days. But a lot of the referrals and opportunities that I get today are results of the efforts that I've done since I got into real estate in 2018. So every time, you know, I it would flood in Houston and there would be properties and we'd say we'd buy them when I worked with the wholesaling company before to get my start in real estate, I still get leads from those realtors that knew that I would buy those types of properties today. Hmm. So it all stacks and compounds on itself. So anything that you do today, while you may not see an instant result, you can't underestimate how powerful that could be a year or two from now, because you may still get business from that. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's not its not exactly the type of evergreen marketing that we talk about at Carrot all the time, but it is still a form of evergreen marketing. You yeah. know, things like the podcast where those podcast episodes live on, those conversations live on, people can go back to them and listen to them and it's its its there long-term. Right. 100%. So, so some of these referrals, um, tell me about how this works. Uh, like if you get a referral out of state versus you get one in your markets in Denver or Houston, um, which appointments are you taking and which ones are you passing off? Like, what's your team look like? How do you do this whole virtual realtor thing? Great questions, Brady. <laughs> I appreciate it. But I get the vibe of what you're asking. So Personally, in crafting my business the way that I have, you know, four-hour work week, I mentioned that, and Tim Ferriss talks a lot about having virtual assistants and how, you know, he traveled and he literally had virtual assistants handling his business and he thought everything was going to fall apart. And lo and behold, it continued to run without him. Mm. So I've kind of adopted that model for myself where I don't necessarily have employees or overhead or fixed expenses. It's all kind of contract work, right? I've got a, a few virtual assistants in the Philippines. I've got someone who makes thumbnails for my podcast, for example, other people who can do the editing for me, a transaction coordinator on the real estate side who writes up offers for me. But the referral part, I can cherry pick the leads. If it is a relationship that I know, let's say it's a friend and I want to make sure I take great care of them and we do have that relationship, I may cherry pick that deal and work it myself. And if it's someone that you know, a probate attorney sent me someone who inherited three or four properties and I don't know that person, I may refer that out because we don't even have a relationship anyway. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So most recently I can give you an example, perfect example, a probate attorney who actually was a friend from high school, it just works out now that he has leads for me that he can send my way. Mm. He had a client of his inherit three or four properties. I think like three lots or two of them were lots. One was a house and one was like a 12 unit apartment complex. And I, you know, I hadn't been in Houston, to Houston for some time, so I referred the complex out. I haven't really done any five-plus unit properties on the listing side. I referred that to a commercial realtor friend that I know. Two months later, he got it closed. He showed up to the title company, and I got my you know four or $5,000 referral check wired to me without ever having to do anything. It was literally like a text message introduction. That's so awesome. that's pretty cool what can happen when you just have these referrals and you know how to actually route them. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you are, you're still the lead manager though, right? You're yeah. I'm the connector. Okay. Yeah. You don't have none of your VAs and none of your team is going through all of these leads deciding where they go. Right. Right. It hasn't been so overwhelming. I'm not doing paid marketing or anything like that. So it hasn't been so overwhelming where I'm like, man, I got 500 leads. Which one of these are actually good. It's mm -hmm. infrequent enough, I guess, or like a low enough volume where I can vet them, do the intro call, see if it's a legitimate lead, you know, hey, are, you're already listed. Okay, this isn't really a solid referral. They're, they're listed and they're motivated. They're trying to contact me to help them sell it faster. That may not necessarily be one that I pursue because it's already on the market with another realtor. But I can also vet them and hand them out to uh, other realtors. So the commercial guy, he got the commercial deal. Another residential realtor may be my go-to to send a referral to in Houston. And it gets a little more complicated, like the Mexico one. I didn't know any realtors in Mexico. So I'm like, you know, in Facebook groups, hey, does anyone have a great realtor in Mexico, in Monterey? I have yeah. someone who needs to sell. And then I do a quick 15-minute Zoom call, get to know them, and then I'll make that introduction. So we create the relationship. I pass the lead off, and then I just occasionally check in to make sure that things are going well and see what the status is on that transaction. Mm, okay. I love that. That makes perfect sense. And I like how you're... You're, it'd be easy to like over delegate in this case, like, oh, you know, 
automate and say all, all the out-of-state leads are going here you know right the ones in my market are going to me but i like how you're doing that it's still you still maintain that personal touch it sounds like and maintain those relationships for sure you're because not just i'm reaching everything. out to those realtors myself right i'm reaching out we're doing a quick zoom call i like zoom calls because it's pretty much face-to-face where I'm like i see mm-hmm. you i see your mannerisms you can see me we're both real people and that gives me more faith and trust that you're going to do what you need to do on your side whenever i make that introduction and I even had another referral client in Seattle, got to talk to the realtor. I didn't know it was a friend of a brother or no, a brother of a friend. And I connected him to another realtor in Seattle. He bought a house. He loved the realtor. Realtor did a phenomenal job. And he's going to be my go-to. Anytime I ever have a, a realtor lead in Seattle, I'm going to call that guy because he did a great job. I got paid on it and the client was happy. Absolutely. And so you're holding that, you're holding that accountability. You're setting the standard. Right. Not, you're not just passing off the lead. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure they have a great experience too, especially if it's like a relationship that I know. I don't want to ruin that because you know your reputation's on the line. If you yeah. make a recommendation and they have a terrible experience, that actually reflects poorly on you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you talked about following up with your your partners, your other agents that you're passing these leads off to. Yep. Is any of that automated? Or are you doing automated reminders or is it just whenever it comes up in your mind? Yeah, occasionally it'll just be, you know, I've got my little database that I check into. How's that lead going? I don't want to be the annoying person who's like, I want an update at 10 a.m. every Monday, you know, because I know we're all busy in the market the way that it is. Like I mentioned earlier, I myself have clients who have been waiting on the sidelines for like a year for the market to crash and they they just don't want to make a decision. So how frequently do I really follow up without being too annoying and too aggressive, right? There's that fine line of, hey, I'll check in with you in two months or I don't want to text you three times a day until you block me, especially if we're friends. Um, So there's that fine line. And just occasionally, every every couple of weeks, I'll check in. Hey, any updates on those two buyers I sent you? How's that looking? And (laughs) it's funny to see a lot of them are struggling with that too, because they're also seeing a lot of buyers waiting and waiting and waiting. And then sometimes sellers too are not sure if they want to sell because they got such a good interest rate. So we're all kind of in that, you know, this is my first time seeing the downturn, the shift, as they may call it. I've mm-hmm. only seen the up and up of like, cool leads, everyone wants to buy and sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm also getting a taste of, huh, all right, I got a lot of people who are waiting. How are we going to navigate this? How frequently do we follow up? But that's the beauty of email marketing, which we can talk about too, is I just nurture my list and I send emails out. So I'm constantly staying top of mind. Whenever they're ready, they'll reach out, they'll schedule a time to chat, they'll reply to my email. And my mm. email list is well over a thousand contacts at this point. Okay. So I'm I'm actually very curious about that because I feel like this is like for anyone listening, email's not dead. Do you ever see a Facebook ad for some marketing agency email's like dead. email's dead? Everything's dead. Like everything, you know, email is alive and well. It's working well for us. It's working well for a lot of people that use it well. But a lot of people, they just don't know what to talk about and they don't know what to say. So like over a thousand people, that's a lot of people if it's a high quality list, which it sounds like for you as a relationship builder, as a connector, that is a high quality list. Yeah. What what are you emailing them? Because I feel like for most people, the extent of email marketing as a real estate professional is like, I send out my monthly market update. <laughs> Here's the spreadsheet. Or we have these listings. Like, that's it. What are yeah. you talking to people about to keep them engaged? Great question. So this has been something I've been working on building since before I even really got into real estate. Hmm. I started my podcast in 2017, got into real estate in 2018. So I've been a nerd about email marketing and just marketing in general and figuring out 
you know, who's the avatar, what's the offer, what's the message, the copywriting, those, those are all things that take time to learn. Mm-hmm. And I know Trevor's also a student of that. Like I've learned a lot of that through his content that I've listened to, you know, there's the Russell Brunson's of the world, the Gary V's of the world. They're all figuring out mm-hmm. what resonates with their audience. What does their audience want to hear more about? And if something's getting good engagement or like a podcast, I think you mentioned that earlier when we were talking a podcast, that's getting more downloads. You try to figure out why, why is this one getting way more downloads and engagement than that other one? Maybe people want to hear more about this topic. So for me, I've been talking more about, Hey guys, here's my newest podcast episode. I interview so-and-so we talk about this, this, and that you're going to find a lot of value. So I try to share what I'm up to as well as new content that may be helpful for them. It's nothing at all related to real estate. You know, it's very different than a lot of realtors do it, but I'll have my Mm -hmm. calls to action at the bottom. Like PS, just a reminder, I'm still helping my clients buy and sell real estate. Here's my latest listing that you want to check out. And if you want to schedule a time to chat, just reply to this email or click this link to schedule a call with me through Calendly. So Mm. they're constantly being reminded not in an annoying way, not like here's my 10 listings and we got four open houses this weekend. And when do you want to buy or sell? Please send me referrals. It's not like that. It's more passive, just like that soft call to action. Hey, I'm here when you need me, but if you don't, here's some great content you can check out in the meantime so that I take mind space up in their brains. Right. Yeah. And you're adding it's value. Value. Yes. Leading with value, leading with results is always very helpful because now you open the reciprocity loop You've given them so much stuff for free that when they're ready, they reply back, hey, Chris, I'm ready to buy that house or I'm ready to sell my house. You're the only person yeah. that came to mind. So so in short, in your head, this 1,000 person plus email list is not a promotional um, marketing method list. This is a value-driven thing where it's, I'm going to help these people. I'm going to give them content that's relevant and valuable to them and remind them what I'm up to, build that mm-hmm. relationship. P.S. I'm still an agent. I <laughs> still help you buy or sell your house. And it's working. It's working well for you. Yeah, it's working. The The only frustrating thing I will say since I've gotten into real estate and focused on attraction marketing, that method, the pull mm-hmm. versus the push, my only frustration is it's very unpredictable. Like, you know, the go-giver mentality, you're always giving yeah. and giving and giving and you never really know when is it going to come back. I was sharing that on a call I was on the other day. And you're not supposed to give with the intention of getting back. I know that. But it's harder to to measure versus I send 5,000 mailers out. I get X amount of phone calls. We get this many deals. You don't necessarily have that visibility, but you just know and you just have to have faith that if you continue to put good out there and give the best stuff that you can, it's going to come back tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like you do it because you know it works. And yeah. in some sense, it's just delayed gratification. Like you said, you started the podcast in 2017. It's not an overnight success. You've been doing it for years, but I feel like a lot of people don't want to put in years worth of work. They want the the quick hits. 100%. That's cool. Um, So you talked about um, Calendly has been a game changer for you. I know Keith Sant, we were talking about that earlier. He's used Calendly, closed multiple deals from having it uh, connected to his carrot site after the step two form. It's like, hey, booking a Calendly appointment with me. Um, you're using it to free up your time and your really your mental space. Um, yeah. What other tools are you using? Are you using Zapier or anything like that? Yeah. So the main ones that I've been teaching some other realtors about lately, I use Calendly. There, there's paid and free versions. If you want to do like the free version, you can connect Calendly with like a MailChimp or AWeber with um, Zapier. But if you do have the premium, I think you need the premium Calendly account to be able to integrate directly with a 
and email providers such as MailChimp. Mm -hmm. So really the way that it works is someone schedules a time with me on Calendly. They're on my calendar. They get reminders. The Zoom link is automatically sent to both of us. So that saves me time. I'm not scrambling five minutes before the call to send them any links. And then if you have Zapier, you can have an integration to add those contacts to your email list or provider. If you do, I will say again, if you do have the premium version of Calendly, which I think I pay like $11 for a month, it's the cheapest software that has opened my life up the most. Um, If you have that premium version, you can definitely integrate directly. So now let's say Brady signs up on my podcast or to schedule a call you're automatically added into my Aweber email list. And, you know, the email providers, all the software is interchangeable. If you don't use Aweber, you can use Constant Contact or MailChimp. It's just a method for building your list and communicating with your people. So that allows me to stay in touch with people. And you'll go through a certain sequence like, hey, thanks so much for scheduling a time on Calendly. Or if you download my free thing, there's different opt-in forms, right? So you'll get the message depending on where you found me. If you want my free thing on productivity and my my little complete life tracker is what I call it, you'll get a couple of emails about that. And then you get added to my broadcast list where you'll hear from me two times a week. Mm. Does that kind of make sense? So I can have different yeah. ways for you to find me and give you some tailored content before funneling you into my weekly newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And so when you when you started on this email marketing path, did it start with that many layers to it or was it simple like one little funnel, like Calendly, thank you email. It was super simple. Oh yeah, it was super simple. Just like, hey, I can't wait to work with you eventually. You know, if I can help in any way, here's what I do. And it had my, you know, realtor, my fancy buttoned up in a suit picture or whatever I took, you know, when I first got into real estate. And Uh now it's just my casual t-shirt. You know, I'm embracing more of that personal brand and being more of myself. So Mm -hmm. it's evolved. I know a lot of people struggle with this. You talked about it earlier too. What do I email my people? What do they want to hear? And it stinks to say, and you know, you have to kind of test it and experiment. Like you talked mm-hmm. about earlier with the podcasts, create a bunch of content. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. I think Steve Jobs said that. So you have to create all this content, send all these emails, and then you can look back and see which ones had the highest open rates, which one had the highest click rates. Why? What did we talk about? Was the subject line a question? Did I have a compelling offer? Who's clicking on these emails, right? And and what are they? What are they a real estate agent? Are they some random entrepreneur who found my podcast on entrepreneurship? And you can start to kind of test and tweak the messaging. And it's just an experiment and you get a little bit better every single time you put an email out or a piece of content out. Mm, I love that. I love that. It's it's funny as you're talking about this, I'm remembering an email exchange you and I had a while back. I'd sent out, I was same thing as what we're talking about, where I was promoting a podcast. I mean, promoting, I use it as a loose word, but anyways, I was saying, hey, we just did this podcast called The Ethics of Wholesaling Part 2. We did a live stream. love for you to check it out. I replied to it. Yeah. I said, these are the questions that keep me up at night. And I was being serious. I wasn't, I mean, I said it tongue in cheek, but these are the ethical things I struggle with when it comes to real estate. And I'm like, I said in the email to our our whole list, uh, Carrot's whole list, what are your thoughts? Like, do you struggle with these things? And you replied and I was like, oh, Chris, I haven't heard from him in a while. So these things work because I literally shared like, yeah, man, I remember we had this old lady was months behind on her mortgage. Her lights went out. How much is enough? Like, do I, I felt a little bad. Like, do we really need to make $30,000 on this assignment fee or should we have made 20 so that she had 10 grand more, you know, some of those ethical questions definitely come into play. And that right there started the conversation, which led to us being here talking today. 
Yeah, absolutely. It works. The proof is in the pudding. It is. Um, so I, I got a couple more questions before we kind of wrap it up here. Um, yeah. First on the what we've been talking about on the tactical side of like, how does this business run? And then I want to talk to you about your podcast, Selfishly. Cool. Um, what would, so I guess to kind of wrap that uh, virtual realtor side of the business, what, what would you suggest to an agent or investor just doing their traditional business model? They're working 40 to 80, hundred hours a week. What's the, like the first thing, I mean, well, besides calendar, you would suggest to like, Hey, here's how you can start to buy back some of your time or like any yeah. sort of inspiration for them to get them in the right direction. For sure. So I do live and die by my calendar. And I think a lot of people, when they first get started, there's so many things to learn, right? You're not really using a Google calendar or digital calendar. You might have one appointment on there, one Zoom call that you accepted, but most people are like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I have this appointment, right? I didn't even know it was on my calendar. They're not even checking. So if you start using a digital calendar, I personally like and use Google calendar, really easy. They have a great app. It's easy to use on the computer. Use that for everything. If something gets moved or deleted, remove it from your calendar. If something gets added, like a birthday dinner, put that on your calendar. And that right there will enable you to see where you're spending your time. Because I can look at the last two years and tell you on a certain day, I can just like do a roulette and just pick a random day. Boom. I can tell you what I did that day. And I can tell you what I didn't do because literally it's not going to be on the calendar. It'll show as deleted, right? So yeah. if you do that, you see where you're spending your time. And that combined with a tool like Calendly, you can set rules in place, right? So if you're not using a calendar, please do yourself a favor, use a calendar time block and have set rules for yourself. Hmm. So for me, for example, I don't even take any calls. I wasn't taking any calls before 1 p.m. for the longest time. So I'd have the whole morning to create content, focus on deep work and that kind of thing. So it just depends. What's your ideal perfect schedule? Write that down on a piece of paper and build your life in a way that actually honors that perfect schedule. Hmm. You said before, not before 1 PM for a while, were you getting, were you getting calls in there? People trying to reach out to you where you had to shift that or what happened there? Yeah, I definitely opened it up. I know. Um, I think it was an Alex Hormozzi podcast where he's like, Hey, I, I was working with gyms and they had sales intake calls at 7 AM. That was their only availability. Like <laughs> you need to be more flexible because that is the most important thing. Right? So for me, yeah. for like a real estate intake call, for example, like that 15 minute real estate intro call, I just opened it up. I said, fine, you know, it's a 10 or 15 minute intro call. I'm willing to take those starting at 8 p.m. and ending no later than 8 p.m. so that I can be most available for my leads whenever they need to reach me. Because I know people are busy. They work full time. So if I'm just like, you can only talk to me between 1 and 4 p.m., good luck. I hope that works. You know, I'm yeah. losing opportunities in those cases. And so that's the only reason I kind of opened it up a little bit more to make sure to make that availability for people. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you're still making time for that deep work, which yes. man, that could be that that'll be a whole nother podcast episode on its own someday. We'll talk about deep work sometime. Yeah, we'd love to. Um yeah. So lastly, before we wrap it up, I want to hear a little bit more about your podcast journey. Um, because originally before this interview, I was thinking this is two separate conversations, how the real estate business runs in the podcast, but clearly you've integrated them really well. And it's getting you a lot of business. You've had the opportunity to interview some really big names on the podcast. I, yeah. I want to know. I want to know how you got them on the show. What, <laughs> what are you doing to get these people on? And, and for the listeners, who are some of these names that you've had on? Yeah, I've had you know Dean Graziosi, Billy Jean is marketing, Dan Fleischman, Trevor Mock, of course, on the show. Um, I think Dan Locke as well. There's been some big guests, some authors that have come on, and. 
it's funny because I tell people it sounds fancier than it is, but a lot of times people have a new book that's coming out and they're doing their book launch. They're literally willing to go on all the podcasts because it's mm. driving more traffic to their books. So you can easily land those guests who just came out with a book and say, hey, I've got this podcast. We've been going since 2017, We're, you know, close to 400 episodes and established some credibility. And you can actually surprisingly land some of these whales of guests that other people are going to be super impressed by. And a lot of my guests have actually come from DMs. Maybe I've heard a podcast of someone on another show. I really resonated. And I said, you know, Kyle Seagraves was one guy that I interviewed. He has a YouTube channel called Win the House You Love. And I heard him on another podcast talking about how he was a burnt out loan originator and was tired of taking those calls at 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. And he went all in on YouTube to build his following, you know, mm. almost 200,000 subscribers and his entire business is online. So that was one guy I just DM'd like, Hey man, I wanted it to be real. Not one of these fake canned responses. That's from a VA. That's clearly like copy paste template. Hey, when the house you love is great to connect with you. It was, <laughs> Hey Kyle, I really resonated with what you talked about on that certain podcast. I'm kind of that burnt out agent too. I'm referring a lot of deals out because I want to see how do I fit my lifestyle to fit what my, my dream outcome would be and got him on the show. Two weeks later, he's like, Hey, here's my email. And two weeks later, we had a podcast conversation. I had him on my show. So a oh, lot of okay. these just start with a, there's a lot of value I think you could add to my audience. Here's my link if you're interested in scheduling a time. Mm. And you'd be surprised how well that works. And you made that personal connection too. So he sees exactly. or his staff. I did my homework. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, this person values my message. This is going to be a real conversation. And they're not just in it for the PR. Exactly. Um, exactly. Are you reaching out to like, are you just going to like Google on them, finding the contact form on their website? Or are you making like relationships or connections with PR, you know, publicists? Yeah. A lot of times it's really just straight up a DM to them. So mm. that example, Kyle, he had a more of a private account. I requested to follow. He's not very public on his Instagram, sent him a DM, told him, Hey, I love what you're doing. I'd love to have your story on my show if you're open to it. And so coming from that place of, look, I listen to this. I resonate with that. I'm not just trying to get guests on the show for the sake of doing it or for the PR or whatever. And so that really rings, you know, stands out to them and they see that, okay, this sounds like someone I can have a great conversation with and create a relationship with. Mm. So that works. And alternatively for other podcasters, for any podcasters listening, if you offer a podcast swap, like propose that, that's always a great win-win because you get something and they get something. It's like, hey, you be on my show. I'll expose your message to my audience. And I love a chance to share my message with your audience. So we both add value to each other. We can both kind of do back-to-back -back podcast recordings and it's a win-win for us both, assuming mm. that you're kind of more or less in the same range, right? You're not trying to get on like Jordan Harbinger's podcast if you've only done one episode because that's not really like a fair, you know, he's already at that seven-figure a year sponsorship level. You can't expect to get him on your show if you've only like started your podcast last week. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I love that. That's a good tip. It's a reminder for me. The biggest name I've booked was on a carrot cast. It was a couple of years back, and it was um, Greg McEwen, author of Essentialism. Oh, yeah. Essentialism, like, love that book. I, I don't. There's only a couple of books that have changed my life, like the Bible and Essentialism. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> maybe a couple others. But I reached out to his team, his website. Same thing. Very personal message. Hey, I read this book, changed my life. Um, we send this out to team members, and he happened to be on a promotion run for his follow-up book, Effortless. And his Boom. staff reached out to me and said, hey, we're actually looking for opportunities. 
And it was awesome. Locked it in. I was like, oh my gosh. And then he gets yeah. on the podcast. Is like, so what are we talking about? Who's Carrot? What are we doing? <laughs> That's cool. Even Bob Berg, the go-giver, right? Like yeah. I've had him on the on the podcast as well. And just following up, you'll you'll be surprised the number of DMs that actually pan out. And most recently, the podcast conference, I met a guy, we'd exchanged a few messages. And I'm like, dude, I saw your webinar and we had messaged on LinkedIn, but we kind of never followed through. And a year later, we just actually had that conversation a week or two. I had him on my podcast. So all oh, those sweet. little seeds to go back full circle, all those seeds that you plant, they do come back and just keep on planting those seeds and stay consistent. And you'll be amazed at what you can do. That's awesome, man. We're recording this pretty far in advance. Uh, this episode will come out in December, cool. um, but by the time it comes out, we just booked uh, Bob Berg on the podcast. So sweet. for anyone listening to this, go back and listen to the uh, Bob Berg episode from November. Anyways, um, that's about that's about all I got for you, man. It's um, it's been a fun conversation. I think you've helped a lot of people. I really love your business model, how you're doing this. You really <laughs> Thanks, have bought back a lot of time. It's it's uh, you can see you're not you're not strung out, you're not stressed out, and you really have done a good job of designing your uh, quote unquote lifestyle business. Um, yeah, I love the way you. you're doing it. And it all starts with being intentional. Yeah. So my last question for you, before we wrap it up, man, what's, what's driving you forward right now? Like what's the next step for you? Like, man, great question. And, and honestly, that's what I've been struggling with. And that's why I've kind of taken my foot off the gas and I've not been sure with the clarity of what I want to do. And like Trevor talks about, you know, I feel like I kind of run out of vision, like my runway, I got to come up with a bigger vision. What's that five-year thing that I can really run towards full speed instead of just hustling some real estate here and there to make some money, which is where I kind of feel like I've gotten to in a way where I'm not necessarily always passionate about it. I'm just doing it. Okay, let me do a couple more deals. So now it's more, how do I do something more that's exciting to me? Maybe even rebranding the podcast and really making it my own and not being so serious and trying to be all professional, you know, really putting my own personality into it more. Mm. I think that's kind of the direction I'm going in is just embracing who is Chris Bello and how do I really put that into everything that I do and just pour my energy and attention into those things. So mm. I hope, I know it's kind of a vague answer, but long story short, I'm just really trying to figure out what does the next three to five years look for me other than just doing X amount of deals per year and increasing by 20%, right? Yeah. No, I appreciate the honesty and transparency. And that's like, I think uh, I'd be, I would think that like nine out of 10 of Americans are in the same boat as like our vision runway. It runs out every few years. You're right. But I think about everyone's ran out at some point during the pandemic. It's like, what, what are we even doing anymore? <laughs> for sure. For sure. My life coach said that the term's called languishing where a lot of people are just kind of burnt out. We've all been pushing through no vacations. Like we, you know, we've just been grinding and trying to just make grinding. things as normal as possible. And deep down, we're kind of just like burning ourselves into the ground by trying to keep going and staying optimistic. So the term yeah. that she said was called languishing. And I looked it up. There was a podcast on it where you just feel kind of like meh. Like I've been feeling meh yeah. a lot lately. And I think yeah. a lot of people can relate, you know? So yeah, I have to focus on gratitude. That's a reminder to myself too. Because realistically, mm -hmm. we all have so much to be grateful for. We just often forget it because I'm like, well, when Lambo, I don't have Lambo yet. Like... <laughs> Yeah, focus on gratitude, and then at some point we just gotta laugh about it. Just gotta laugh our way through. Man. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, where can people find you? We we talked about your podcast the whole time. Entrepreneur podcast, motivation yeah. podcast. That is the name. So go listen to it. It's a great podcast. Yes. Um, where else can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, thanks, Brady. So the best way is if you go to chrisbello.com, C H R I S B as in boy, E L L O.com. You can find me. 
You can get my complete life tracker is my free thing. You can see how my systems work. I literally tell people you can funnel hack me, get my free thing. And you can see how my email sequence works, what emails you get, my calls to action in the PS. I also have a free training on there for real estate agents that I've created more recently on some of these automations that we talked about today. So that's also at my website. And then I'm also most active on Instagram. Chris Bello underscore is the best place to find me on there. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you for offering that to our, for our guests, for our listeners, go funnel hack, Chris, chrisbella.com. <laughs> um, if you ever have, uh, for anyone listening, if you have any thoughts on the episode, questions for myself, questions for Chris about his business model, how he's doing this. Um, if you want to talk about it, email me Brady at care.com. I'd love to chat about it and i uh, love to hear your thoughts and thanks for listening everyone if you got value out of this share this episode with a friend i greatly appreciate it helps more people find the podcast so that being said cool. have an awesome week chris thanks for joining us man you too thanks brady right. see you, everyone